begin the Gemara today and Daf Pei Vav Amadalef, where it says, Omar Ameimar, about 10 lines from the top of the Yamud. So we learned before in the Gemara an interesting halacha that Shmuel said. A person that uh, has a document of a loan that someone owes him money, you could sell it. But when you sell it, even after it's bought and the sale goes through, nevertheless, you could be meichel deschayv. You could forgive the whole loan, and the buyer won't have the right to collect the loan. That was Shmuel's chiddush. Explained yesterday, the Rishayim explained how that is, how you could uh, be meichel something after you sold it. But now, Ameimer says in this, Amar Ameimer, Man de doin dine de garmi. The one that says that Paskins, that we do collect money in a situation of garmi. This concept of Garmi, Rashi brings, this is in the Gemara and Baba Kama. We know that there's um, a concept called Grama. When you cause somebody a damage indirectly, you're part of paying Bidine Adam in a Bezdin, even though Bidine Shemaim you are Chayev. The, the typical example of Grama is when you go to someone's barn, he has his animals there, and you open the doors of the barn. And eventually an animal walked out and then got lost or got uh, hurt and so on. You didn't, you didn't uh, damage any of his property directly, but you caused it. But when you cause something to happen, you're not obligated to pay in embezzlement here, that's the concept of grama. Garmi, the expression the Gemara uses here, is a bit different. Garmi is also something that you didn't literally physically break somebody's car or somebody's item, but you did something as a cause, but more of a direct cause. You're doing something with, with, a, with a certain action and it's something that has an immediate <coughs> effect of a loss to somebody else. The example I gave before of opening someone's uh, doors to the barn, it doesn't necessarily have an immediate effect, and you didn't do any mice regarding the animals itself. You, did, you opened the door, and then eventually something could happen afterwards. Garmi is when something you do something and it causes a damage immediately. So in such a case, there's actually a machlaikis in the Gemara, where the Garmi is the same as Grama, and you'll still be Potter, even though it's more of an immediate damage that you cause, or no that uh, you're going to be chayev. Garmi is different than grama. Garmi you will be chayev for, even bedine yadam. So therefore, Amemah here says, the one that paskins, that when it comes to dine the garmi, when you do something, which is an immediate cause of loss to somebody, that you do pay for this. So over here as well, magbi If this person that sold you this document, and now he goes and he's meichelet, and now you paid money for this document and you can't collect anything with it. So he causes you an immediate and direct loss. He's going to have to put the buyer, uh, sorry, the seller that is, is going to have to reimburse the buyer with, for this. The Meishtaramalia, and Rashi's Pshatan, the Meishtaramalia means he's going to have to pay you the full price of that loan of the Shtar that you're able to collect. The Chiddush of Rashi here is, let's say the Shtar had in it $100 and the buyer only paid $80 for the Shtar. He's not going to have to reimburse you $80 if he forgives this loan, but he's going to have to pay you back the full $100 that he caused you that you now can't collect. <coughs> the one that holds that we do not paskin, that you cannot collect in a case of garmi, even though he caused you a direct damage. But nevertheless, garmi is like groma, which is potib adam. So all you can collect from the seller is just the, the, the worth of the, of the paper, which really is nothing because you have the paper in your hands. It's just another way of saying that he basically sold you this loan and he has the right to go and forgive it, even though he's causing you a direct damage because you paid for this and now you, you have nothing. But it doesn't matter. He was just, it's called a grama, or you, even if it's garmi, it's a direct, immediate cause of loss. Nevertheless, you cannot collect anything with this, for this. So the Gemara says for this, have a alma, have a uvda that is, 
there was an incident that happened, in such a case, a person sold his document and then he uh, forgave it. And now, the kafir Rafram Ravashi. Rafram forced Ravashi, or it really means that he, uh, he explained to him. Rashi says he brought him proofs and he sort of persuaded Ravashi, the Agbeba Kikshurul Itzlami. And Ravashi went and collected from the seller. Kikshurul Itzlami means he collected him fully, every last penny. It's an expression, just like when a person buys perfect conditioned pieces of wood because he wants to use it to, to make a sculpture out of it. He wants to use this wood for something that uh, he needs to have perfect wood. So, so to over here, Ravashi made sure that this seller should reimburse the buyer after he was Michael the Sloan on every last penny. Amar said in the name of Rav Chama, Haiman person that has the Ksuba to pay for his wife that he divorced and a Balchayv that he owes money to. And Vesle Ara, he owns a piece of land. And Vesle Zuza, and he also has cash, he has money. So who gets the piece of land and who gets the money? So the Balchayv is paid with money. And the wife, he pays her just by she can collect from the land itself. And the, the Gemara explains, Each one gets what they deserve. And Ashi says, what this means is, when the person lent you money, he didn't lend you a piece of land, he lent you money. So he deserves to be paid back with money. If you don't have money, so then you, you, you'll pay him with pieces of land. But if you do have money, so then you have to pay back the money. But when it comes to a wife, she never gave him a penny. It's, it's, a, it's an agreement that if she divorces her, he pays her a ksuba. But she's relying on collecting from the pieces of land that he owns. And therefore, for that, you pay the, you pay the land. The Gemara continues, if he does not have any cash, all he has is a piece of land, and and it's only enough for one of them to collect. And the case over here is, as Rashi says, that the Bachoiv and the Ksubis Isha, they're both coming to collect, and they both, their, their the obligation to pay them began on the same day. The same day that he, borrowed, uh, that he borrowed the money is the same day that he got married to his wife, so one does not come before the other. The, 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 he owes both of them from the same date. So now, who gets to collect that one piece of land? So Yavinan lay again. Yavinan So we give that one piece of land for the person that he borrowed the money from, and Isha And we don't give it to the isha for the ksuba money. My time. Why does the balchayiv come first? Because yaisa More than a man wants to get married, the wife wants to get married. So therefore, the Gemara saying of here is like this. When it comes to the Balchayv, if you're not going to pay him back in a situation where it's the, the Balchayv and the Ksubasisha, and the, the Ksubasisha comes before the Balchayv, he'll never want to lend money again. This is what's known in the Gemara, Tinel Dallas B'fnei You're closing the door before other people in the future that are going to want to borrow money. They say, look, in such a situation, I have to get into the back of the line. We always put the creditor that is collecting money ahead of everybody else, so you should lend money in the future. But when it comes to a ksube, one of the points of the ksube is that a woman should be secure in wanting to get married, to know that her husband, if her husband divorces her, she will be taken care of. But we know that a woman, even if she doesn't have mamish that security, then she's going to be second in the line. It's not going to stop her from getting married. And, and, and uh, there'll be a chain that she'll want to get married to her husband. Rashi brings the Lashon of the Gemara, we had a few times, the chain that uh, the, the wife finds in the husband's eyes. Even if she's going to have to go number two to get to collect, nevertheless, it's not going to stop her from getting married. Dr. Gemara Vaiter, Amalei Rav Papa, Rav Chama. Rav Papa asks Rav Chama, 
also regarding the same subject of collecting. Vadai de Omriso, Mishmei Rava. Is this true what I heard that you said in the name of Rava? I'm on the Maske Bezuzi. If there's someone that they're trying to collect from him alone, the Isle Ara, and he has, he doesn't have money, but he has a field, a land. And the Bachoiv is coming, the, the lender is coming and demanding to you, for you to pay. And you go and you tell the lender, no problem, you can collect, you can take this property here. So we tell the borrower, No, you go and sell this property. And bring the money and pay me cash. I'm not, I'm not taking this property here. Is that true? Did you say such Allah that we force the, lend, the, the borrower to actually pay cash even when he has a, a, a property that he can give to the, bar, to the, to the lender? Amalei, so Rav Chama answers, no, loy, I never said such a thing in the name of Rav, there's no such Allah. A, 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 a borrower does not have to sell his property in order to pay cash for the loan. If he, all, all he has is the property, so then he prays with that. So Rafapa tells him, so, Emily, so tell me the story of what happened. I mean, where, where did this Shmuel come out from, this rumor come out from that you said this name, Rav? What is it that happened and what is it that he passed? Amalei, sort of Chama answered, what happened was, there was an individual that he had money and he was claiming that the money that I have is not mine, the money that I have belongs to a guy and he didn't want to pay the money. There should be another Gemara there. And uh, he didn't want to actually pay the money. So he did have cash. And when you have cash, you should be paying with that, that money. So he was trying to avoid payment. So therefore what happened is, who because this borrower did something that's not right. He, he, he's made believe as if he has no money to pay. So therefore, Chachamim also, Paskin for him also, what's unusual, and that is, they told him, you have a piece of property. You can't allow the, to him to collect with the property. Go sell your property and bring the cash for the for the lender. Oh, but let Rav Papa. Another halacha regarding collecting a loan. Rav Kahana says to Rav Papa, According to your opinion, and you say as follows: Prias balchayiv mitzvah. The whole obligation for a borrower to pay the loan is it's a mitzvah. Rashi here brings the pasuk. It says in the Torah, "Hint sedek." Even though "hint sedek" literally means that you should have proper, when you measure things, it should be done properly, but when you say, yes, I'll pay you back, that obligates you a mitzvah to fulfill, to pay back. In other words, when you, when, when you borrow money from someone, according to uh, Rav Papa's uh, opinion, so really, the money that I took is now mine to use and to keep, but the Torah gives me a mitzvah that, because I use this money from someone else, so I should pay it back. But it's really a mitzvah. This isn't the Gemara in... Uh, and it's relevant when it comes to Yusayimim, whether Yusayimim have to pay up a loan or not. Do they have to fulfill the father's mitzvah? That's where the, it comes up. So Bekitza here, the Gemara says, according to your opinion, that you say the whole idea of paying up a loan is a mitzvah. So how about Amalei Michali the Eved mitzvah? So what's if this person comes and says that it's my mitzvah? Ah, there's many mitzvahs and I don't want to do this mitzvah. So what happens now? Could he, could he stop and, and not pay this loan? My, what's the halach? This is a concept regarding all mitzvahs that we learned already in another b'raise. What does it say there in the b'raise? When is it that there is a concept of malchus, you get 40 lashes or 39 lashes. So that is regarding a mitzvah. When it comes to a mitzvah, that we tell a person that you have a mitzvah to build a sukkah. 
and he doesn't build a sukkah. Lulav. Or the mitzvah of lulav, and he's not fulfilling the mitzvah. So over here we force the person to fulfill the mitzvah. We hit him until he's, he's, his, his soul leaves his body. And we force him to fulfill the mitzvah. The Rishayim say that doesn't mean literally. But it means we force him to fulfill the mitzvah. This is a halacha to all mitzvahs that a yid could be forced to fulfill a mitzvah. So even if paying alone is just a mitzvah say, and it's not an obligation because you have someone else's money in your pocket, but it doesn't matter. Yet we force him to pay this loan, like every other mitzvah. A person tells his wife, here, this is your get, but the get should not take effect, only after 30 days. How to learn this Gemara? In our Gemara, it does not add the word of me achshav that you have to tell her that the get is taking effect today, that in 30 days it will take effect retroactively from today. But many Rishayim say that he added the word may achshav, but Rashi doesn't mention it. From Rashi it seems like either that the Gemara here is speaking about without mentioning the word may achshav. So the get, he's giving her the get today, the act of the Maise Gedishim he's doing today, but he's making clear to her that the get will not take effect, the Gedishim will not take effect until 30 days from now. And she went She placed the get on somewhere on the side of the Rishus HaRabim. Tzidei Rishus HaRabim is the area right near the walls of the houses. In order for the people that are traveling in the street not to scrape up against the walls of the houses, they had uh, maybe different racks over there or some kind of things to stop them from going all the way near the houses. And that area is called Tzidei Rishus HaRabim, the side of the Rishus HaRabim. That's where she placed the get. Mahu, what's the halacha if that's where the get is found when the 30th day arrives? Will she be Mugadashis or not? The question is, the get has to be in her possession on that 30th day when the Gedishin takes effect. If the get is not in her possession on that time when the get takes Gedishin is supposed to take effect, she won't be divorced. So over here, in this Tzidei it's not mamish in the, in the public area of where people are walking, will the get take effect or not? Yes, yeah, sure she does. Why not? Amalei. <coughs> so Rav Chista answered, No, she will not be divorced in that area. It's not her domain. So she's not divorced. She doesn't have to get in her own private domain. Where do we know this? From something that Rav and Shmuel said earlier in the Gemara. What do they say? The Rav and Shmuel both said, and this is regarding the halacha that we learned before, that Rav Tarfin says that after a person passes away, you can go and grab from the possessions of this person, from his nechassim, for any loan that they were owed. So Rav and Shmuel say about this, when could you go and grab from his possessions? That's only if they're piled up and they're in the middle of the street in the Rishus Then anybody can come and grab. But if it's in this person's private domain, or actually Rav and Shmuel both, both say over there, if it's in a simta, which is this corner in the Rishus HaRabim where people do business, over there you can't go and grab from this person's possessions for any loan that he owed you, because that's already something which is the Yarshim, in the Yarshim's possession. You can't grab it from out of their private place. But from the Rishus HaRabim, it's not in their private domain, so you could grab. Now, Rav Chista says about this, Vitzidei Rishus HaRabim K'Rishus HaRabim Domo. The sides of the Rishos HaRabim is the same like the Rishos HaRabim itself. Even though Rav Shmuel didn't say this explicitly, but um, the, the Rishayim explained that the reason why he's saying this is, uh, Taisa Sovi explains, because Rav Shmuel only said from a simta you won't be allowed to grab. 
Simta is again, is that is a side area off to the Shusarab where people do business. From there you can't grab. But it seems from the words of Rav and Shmuel that the sides of the Rishusarabim, which is not like a simta, it's, it's closer to the walls of the houses, it's part of the Rishusarabim. And therefore, since that's considered to be a public place, so if she left her get in that area, when the 30th day arrives, when the get is supposed to take effect, it's not in her own private domain, so the get won't take effect. That's the psakalacha of Rav Chiste. So the Gemara asks him this, on the contrary, Megudeshes, I'll bring you a raya that if the get is found on the sides of the Rosh Hashanah, she will be divorced. With Rav Nachman, and the source of this is from what Rav Nachman said. We also learned this before in the Gemara. Dom Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said, Dom Rav Baravua, in the name of Rav Baravua, Oimala Chaveiro, a person says to his friend, Mishayich Parazu, here, make a Kenyan, take this Parah, but the king should not take effect until after 30 days. So you're doing the, the act of the Kenyan now, but the actual acquisition only takes place in 30 days. So what does uh, Rav Nachman say? That Kana, he will, uh, he will acquire it then when the 30th day arrives. Even of then, the 30th day, the cow that he's buying is not in his private domain. It's out in a swamp somewhere, which is an open area. Still, you'll be kind it mm-hmm. because it's not mamish in a public place open where everybody walks. Agam is more on the side. So therefore, you will be kind mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, my love, don't you think, Hainu Agam, and the Hainu Tzidere the status of an Agam, a swamp, where animals are sometimes, <laughs> and a Tzidere Shusarabim, which is on the side of the Shusarabim, don't you think it's the same thing? So just like regarding an Agam, we say, as long as the cow is there in this swamp, so the Kenyan takes effect on the 30th day, the same should be with the Get. That when she has the Get, and then on the 30th day, the Get is there on the side of the Shusarabim, it's not mamish in the public place where people are walking, so maybe the Gerishin should take effect. But the Gemara says it's not the same thing. Loi. Agam lochot, Agam is more of a private area, and therefore if a behemoth is in this swamp, on the 30th day, the Kenyan will take effect. On the sides of the Rishos Harabim, near the walls of the houses, that's a different thing. That's more related to the Rishos Harabim, and therefore the Get will not take effect. Ikedomri, there was another version to what Rav Chista answered. Omalei, Rav Chista answered to this question regarding if the get is found on the side of the Rishos Harabim on the 30th day. Mugereshes, she will be divorced. And he brought the Raya from Rav Nachman. With the Rav Nachman, from what Rav Nachman said, that, like we just quoted, Rav Nachman said that regarding buying an animal, if it's found in a swamp on the 30th day, the Kenyan takes effect. The same thing with the get. If the get is found on the side of the Rosh Hashanah on the 30th day, the Gerishan takes effect. And Vitside, so on this, the Gemara asked, Vitside Rosh Ka'agam Domi, but is the size of the Rosh compared to a swamp? Adarabe, I'll tell you, this is actually uh, part of, uh, again, the way you read this is, it's part of what uh, the Gemara is bringing Garai from Rav Nachman. That's not yet the question. Again, Originally, the Gemara is thinking that the size of the Rosh is like the Agam, like the swamp. On that, the Gemara asks, on the contrary, you should say regarding a get that is on the side of the Shusharabim on the 30th day, she should not be divorced. From what Rav and Shmuel said, Rav and Shmuel said that if it's in the middle of the Shusharabim, it's a public area. And my love, don't you think that the middle of the Shusharabim and the sides of the Shusharabim is the same thing? It's a public area, so she won't be divorced if she left the get there on the 30th day. 
Now that the Gemara answered, Loi Rishus Arabim Luchod Vitzidir Rishus Arabim Luchod. There's a distinction between the Rishus Arabim itself, where everyone walks, and the sides of the Rishus Arabim, which is more of a private area. And over there, according to this version, the halacha is that if she left to get there on the thirtieth day, she will be Megadashas. People don't walk there. Person that establishes his wife to be the, the, a, a, a storekeeper for him. He owns a store, and his wife is the manager of the store. Or he appointed his wife to be a manager over his business or different, uh, different things regarding, uh, as she says, he's dealing with uh, paytas, fruits, or whatever other business he does. His wife is the, the manager, the caretaker of the business. So he could have her swear that she didn't take anything for herself at any time. This is manager of a business that he'll be obligated to swear that he didn't take anything for himself. And the same thing is regarding a wife, that a person could have his wife swear to him at any time that she didn't take anything for herself. Rabbi Eliezer goes even a step further. Even regarding her spindle. And regarding the dough that she bakes, that she, she uses to bake bread for him. So he also can have her swear to him that she didn't take any threat for herself. She didn't take any dough for herself. Right? It's the husband that's providing the threat and the husband is providing the dough. And a person can have his wife swear to him at any time. If he's suspecting her, he can have her swear to him that she didn't keep anything for herself. So on this halach of Rabbi Yezer, the Gemara asks, the question was asked, Rabbi Yezer, what is Rabbi Yezer saying here? Rabbi Yezer says, you could have your wife swear for you that she didn't keep anything for herself. Not only if she's a storekeeper or a manager of your business, but even regarding house matters, privately in the house, the dough, the, the thread in the house, even regarding this you could have a swear. Maybe Rabbi Yezer only meant that this is so through Gilgal. Gilgal means that you sort of extend the shvuah. Uh, what's the word they use there? Roll the shvuah. Once she's swearing, if she is a caretaker, if she is a manager of the business, and she has to swear as a manager of the business, just like any manager that has to swear, so once she's making the shvuah for this, so then Rabbi Yezza says, the husband can say, he's swearing for this. Swear also regarding all the other things in the home that you do here, that you didn't take any dough for yourself, you didn't take any threat for yourself. Through Gilgal, through the Salah of Gilgal, that's, that's what Rebbe Yezim meant to say. But the point of here is, if she's not a caretaker or a manager of the business, so he can't just come to her and say to her, here, swear that you didn't take any dough for yourself. That he can't do. It's only as a Gilgal, if she is swearing for him, uh, the fact that she's a manager, then she also swears for the home, the things that she does in the home as well. And uh, Rashi explains another point here, the Pshat and the Gemara is, the Chiddush here is, this concept of Gilgal Shvua is, is learned from a Pasik, and it's usually applied regarding a Shvua Minatayra. When, when she's obligated to swear for something Minatayra, then, she, then there's the concept of Gilgal Shvua. According to this uh, understanding here in the Ibaya, this idea of Gilgal Shvua will be applied even regarding a Shvua Midrabanan. This idea that a manager of a business swears is no shvu menatayra. This is a takonim that a manager of a business has to swear to the owner that he didn't take anything for himself. So therefore, maybe we apply the idea of Gilgul Shvuah regarding a shvu menatayra as well. Or perhaps, no, we don't apply the concept of Gilgul Shvuah here. So therefore, what did Rabbi Yezer mean to say? Rabbi Yezer is saying that a person can go to his wife and not without any Gilgul Shvuah and just say to her, that I want you to swear to me that you didn't take any dough for yourself or any threat to yourself, even if she's not a manager of the business. <coughs> Just for this itself, you can have her swear.
Toshamat, Gemara says, I'll bring you a raya. Because what happened, Omr Loyal Rabbi Yezer, the Chachamim said to Rabbi Yezer regarding his opinion that he could have her swear for all these home things that she does. If so, a person can't live with somebody else, a snake in the same basket. So in other words, the point is, a wife could say, how could I live with a husband which is constantly suspecting me and having me swear about these basic things that I have to do for him every day? Every day he's going to have me swear and he's suspecting me for stealing from him. How could I live with him? So we can't allow the husband to have his wife swear for these kind of matters. That's what Chacham said to Rabbi Yezah. Now, if you're going to say that what Rabbi Yezah meant to say is that a husband can have his wife swear just for this itself, for the dough or for the spindle. So Shapir, so we understand why Chachamim are saying to Rabbi Yezah, this is like living with a snake, he's suspecting her for these things. But if you're saying that he can't have a swear for just the, the things that she does in the home, but it's only if she's a manager of the business, that's a different story. Manager of the business, any manager of any business has to swear to his owner that he didn't take anything for himself. And it's a Gilgal. Then once she's swearing for that, she swears for this also, for the things that she does in the home. So if so, why, uh, why is this so terrible for her? Why is she getting so excited about the fact that she has to swear for this? And why would Chachamim say that she can't live with him and this is like a snake? So the Gemara answer is no, there's no Rai for her. The Amr lay because she could say to her husband, Kivin de Kadaikis Basroi, Kula Hai. If you're being so particular with me, you're having me swear about this as well, even though you're not coming to me originally with this, but now you want me to swear about this, and you're being so particular with me about the things that I'm doing in the house, so that shows that you don't trust me, and you, you don't, you, you're looking over my back all the time, so I can't live together with you. Toshamat, Gemara brings a from another Braise. When a person did not exempt his wife of a neder or from a shvua. So the neder that it says here is actually something that the Gemara explains in, in another place. That in Gittin the Gemara says that here it talks about uh, the, per, the, the wife making a shvua to her husband. That I didn't take anything for myself if she's a manager. But in other places the Gemara says that she, would, she alternatively can make a neder. If I took something, if it turns out I took something from myself, then I accept a vow upon myself that all paytas in the world will be also to me. So this is another way of, of her demonstrating to her husband that he should be sure that she took nothing, nothing for herself. So if she's not potter of this neder or from this shvua, this is, we'll see this soon in the next Mishnah. The Mishnah says that sometimes a husband could tell his wife, you're exempt of making any shvua to me. But if he did not potter her from that neder or shvua, and vayishiva chanvenis, she has the position of being the storekeeper for the husband, or she's the manager of his business. He could have her swear to him that she took nothing for herself at any time. But if she's not a storekeeper, he did not appoint her as a manager of the business. You can't have her swear about other things that she does in the home. But Rabbi says, Even if he did not appoint her as a storekeeper, he did not appoint her as a manager of the business. If he wants, he could have a swear at any time for anything that she does, even in the home. Every wife is considered to be a manager for something that he's doing, she's doing for him in the house. The spindle or the dough that she bakes, bakes, bakes bread for him. So therefore every wife is, is taking from the husband's money, from the husband's uh, materials and, and doing things for him. So she's a manager in the home and therefore she swears for him. 
Amrulai, Chachamim asked them, or asked Rabbi Yez on this, Einadim Darim Nachash Bekfifa, how could you have a husband uh, force his wife to swear for him all the time? How could she live with her snake in one basket? So what do we clearly see here in this Braisa? Rabbi Yez clearly says we're talking about a wife that's not a manager in the business, not a storekeeper, and still Rabbi Yez said that she could swear for him. This is a clear proof that the meaning of Rabbi Yez's opinion is that a husband could have his wife swear for him even if she's not a caretaker, not a, not a storekeeper at all. And if she didn't want to do a shvua, is it get? Could be, could be, yeah. yeah. He forced her to make a shvua, yeah. A person writes to his wife, and as we'll see in the Gemara, it's, it's clear from the Gemara that this is when they're coming to get married. So he writes to her the following condition. Any nedarim, any shvua, so you don't have to swear for me. And the Gemara will explain exactly regarding what this is, applies to. So he, he makes a deal with her, you never have to swear for me about anything. So then, any he can't have her swear for him. Aval, however, But if it's her, if anyone that's inherited her, or anyone that she sold her ksubatu, so this is after the uh, wife passes away, and now her children or anyone that she sold the rights of her ksubatu want to go and collect the ksube. So Rashi here brings the halacha always is anybody that wants to collect the ksube has to um, is going to have to swear. Before they collect the ksuba, but over here, so over here in this case, uh, if they're collecting it from the yarshim, that is, if you're collecting the ksuba from the yarshim, so then you're gonna have to swear. So over here, even though if she, even if she herself does not have to swear, but the yarshim and the boim berishusa, meaning if she sold the ksuba to other people, they are gonna have to swear. That's not part of the deal that he made with her. He just said, "You don't have to swear for me." If he wrote to her, the deal was neder shvue only alecha va'al yarshecha. Not you will have to swear for me, and not the Yarshim either. They also will not have to swear for me. So you spelled out the Yarshim as well. And also, anyone that's coming in your place, you sold your rights to collect anything from me to someone else, they also don't have to swear. So then, So not she has to swear for him, not her inheritors, and not anyone that's coming in her place. But, if it's not the husband, if the husband now passed away, and now it's one of the inheritors of the husband that wants to have her swear or her Yershim swear before they collect the Ksuba, that's not part of the deal. They could have them swear. Again, Yershav, Mashbi, Naisav, Eshershav, Asabam, Brishusa, whether her, whether her inheritors, whether anyone that's coming in her place, because the, the deal was only that he, the husband himself, will not have her swear. But not if the husband dies. If the husband dies, so his Yerushim could bring her to swear. But if he writes clearly, if he, the deal he makes with her is, Neder Shvua Einli. There was no Neder and no Shvua that you will be obligated to me. V'loy Yarshai, And not obligated to swear to any of my narrators. V'loy Not anybody that's coming in my place not you will have to swear to me not any of your inheritors will have to swear for me and not anybody that's taking your place if you sold your rights to collect the ksuba nobody will have to swear not to me and not to my inheritors so then not the husband himself could bring it to swear not his inheritors and not anybody that takes the husband's place that, that bought his rights not she will have to swear not her inheritors will have to swear, and not, any, not anybody that she sold her rights to collect the ksuba will have to swear either. I spelled out all these details, and so no one has to swear. 
Now the Mishnah concludes, If right after, her, if her husband passed away, husband owed her or whatever it is that the husband owed her, and now right after her husband passed away, so immediately from the Leviah, from the Beis HaKvaris, she goes back to her father's house. Meaning that she's not having any dealings anymore with what's going on in her husband's house. Or even if she does go back to her father-in-law's house, which essentially means going back to her husband's house, but she's not taking care of any of the matters of her husband's possessions. She has nothing to do with it. So the inheritors cannot have her swear about anything. Because this didn't, what the Mishnah here is speaking about, going back to what we said before, when the husband wrote to the wife, you will not have to swear for me. So that means that she does not have to swear for anything that was from before, because all those things that belong to the husband from before, that the husband owed her, for that she doesn't have to swear. But but if now, if today, she becomes an apetrupis, she becomes a manager over the husband's properties, so now she's a, a manager of the properties of her husband that don't belong to her husband anymore. Now the Yarshim Yarshimed it. Hi Yarshim must be an So these Yarshim now can have her swear regarding any business or regarding anything that the wife is taking care of from today going forward. Because that doesn't belong to her husband at all. The deal was between her and her husband. So for the past, but But they can't bring her to make a shvua regarding anything that there was in the past, in the lifetime of the husband. Because whatever she did in the lifetime of the husband, that she made a deal, that, that uh, you're not going to have to swear for this. So right after Leviah, she has no new dealings today, she doesn't have to swear for that. But if she is the caretaker and the manager of the business today, and now the business already belongs to the inheritors, for that she will have to swear she today. They get, get the children, or maybe the, she was appointed for some, somehow to be an apotropist. So as long as she becomes an apotropist today, she will have to swear for this. Did, did you give this two kids or 